What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. folks happy wednesday it is the out of sight podcast on the liberty ballers podcast network we were unfortunately unavailable last week to talk about the denver nuggets winning the nba finals and um dave how how did you feel about the uh nba finals the way they went uh dave early always joining me on the podcast i was rooting for miami and I was one of those people who thought, oh, man, Jimmy just doesn't look right because, you know, you know, he tweaked his ankle against the Knicks in the second round. Yeah. And I don't know that they would have won in anyway, but maybe they would have stole one more game. I don't know. Um, so I, I, I was ultimately disappointed. I wish it was a little bit closer of a series that De- credit to Denver. They were they just looked awesome down, down the stretch. That's not to say that Jimmy wasn't like giving it his all in that final game. Like Jimmy was just going at it those last what that last what two minutes. Yeah, he he kept doing this thing where he was like kind of non-existent for long periods, and then he would close the game well. And you were like, oh, does he just not have it earlier? You know, does he does it swell up on him, or I don't know what it is, but I mean. Kudos to kudos to the Denver Nuggets. You got your first championship win in franchise history. And Jokic, what what can we say about that guy? Like greatest playoff run statistically in the modern NBA. Like, good lord, that was a ridiculous stat line across the entire playoffs. Yeah, for those of us who argue Joel's the MVP, you know, I still think Joel deserved one of those two MVPs that uh he got one, he didn't get the other. So I'm good with it. But for those debates we had about who's really better with Embiid getting hurt again and Jokic doing that, it doesn't really look like a debate at this point. Yeah, I I think we I I think everybody can finally get on board with my position or at least should that uh, Nikola Jokic is the best center in the NBA. Uh, Fight me on Twitter. I don't care. I think you could take it a step further. He's just the best player, period. Oh, over over like Giannis? Yeah, I think you'd have to at this point. All right, that's that's a that's a summer debate we're gonna have to have before like the season starts, I guess. But 
Uh, yeah, I mean, still- you, you would see what happened when you put a guy like Davis or Bam on him. They have to go so far away from the rim to to chase him because he might hit the three or make the right pass. And now that guy's not protecting the rim anyway, like you said, for the summer. All right. In the meantime, we have some offseason news, some free agency stuff, some trade stuff. While we were away, uh, a Bradley Beal trade happened. It was not to the Sixers. It was to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, did you find that a little bit odd? I mean, it, it Devin Booker having the season that he had and Kevin Durant, just I don't know how Beal fits in. And then Phoenix is sending out Chris Paul, Landry Shaman, bunch of second round picks, multiple swaps, like, they have, they definitely have three of the top 15 players in the NBA, but damn it, they don't have much else after that. They have negative bench. Of course, we're going to have to see what happens in any kind of DeAndre Ayton trade, but I don't know, man. This, it's again that new owner syndrome. Like, this is beyond anything from new owner syndrome that I've seen in recent memory. Yeah, but there's a, there's a chance now that we're going to look at that owner and say, wow, that's what it takes because they could win the championship next year. Uh, that's I, if It's if they win the championship. They're not likely to because no one team is likely to. But they got substantially better. If you watched Chris Paul down the stretch of last season, a lot of people were saying he might really be finally watched at this point. I think yeah. when, he, when he was healthy, they were looking to steal a game in Denver. Had they done so... Who knows how that series plays out, but Chris Paul, as he tends to do over the last five years, got hurt in May. So if you turn him into Bradley Beal, and I know it costs you got some guys now, you know, maybe you can still keep Biombo. Maybe you could roster like three of the Plumlee brothers to fill out the <laughs> roster. Maybe you'll probably get a couple ring chasers instead of buyout. You can't do the buyout guys, I don't think, right? So I don't think so. To me... It was a no-brainer upgrade. The rumors and credible reports were that they were going to waive Chris Paul, which would have opened up a $12.2 million mid-level. So is Bradley Beal, you called him a top 15 player. Is Bradley Beal better than a $12.2 million mid-level? I would say handily, easily. Yeah. And even though he doesn't fit the perfect need, you weren't going to get – anything else remotely close to what you got here. So you're already I, all in with Kevin Durant. You gave up all your picks for him. You're all in for his prime. If you're really worried about the future, you shouldn't have done that move. This is what I will say about Chris Paul, and then I'll go back to Brad Beal. Um, I have a theory that Chris Paul did way too much when he was playing in Oklahoma City on like his revenge tour mm. as as like, I'm spending all this energy. I'm spending all this like strength to prove that like I'm still that guy. And once he left Oklahoma City, like I, I feel like the the tank was just emptying rapidly. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean he he still had a good good finals run. He he did get hurt in that finals too. He had a wrist. I think he had a shoulder. But he he got them on the precipice there. If Giannis wasn't as amazing as he was, if Drew Holiday doesn't make one of the best defensive players of all time. We might have said, you know, his his championship run was so, so late in his career, like 36 years old. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a great deal. I would be very excited if I were a Suns fan. I would be pretty upset if I were a Wizards fan because 
you're, I'm starting wow. to read these reports coming out, and I'm not just talking about. Obviously, the no trade clause was a disaster. They should have traded him a couple of years ago. Yeah, it would have it would have got a nice haul. Like everyone said, they should have. Even if he said, "I want, I'm loyal," you should have just done it because you know he's not taking you anywhere himself. Anyway, but even with that, with this, the rumors that we read, Bradley Beal, it sounds like green lit two teams down the stretch: Miami and Phoenix. And then we have credible reports from the Athletic that. Miami offered multiple first round picks, Kyle Lowry expiring and Duncan Robinson not expiring, but reports out of Washington that they were insistent, no deals beyond 12 months. So somewhere in there, I suspect they wanted Tyler Hero and that was not on the table, Mm. which would have meant if you insist upon not taking on Duncan Robinson, and it's not an exorbitant contract, he gets like 18 million this year and 19 and a half next year. And he played. Yeah, really it's well not terrible. Finals. You probably could give him away. I know there's some Sixers fans listening to this who'd say, Hey, I'll give you Tobias Harris and take some savings and just take Robinson instead. So wouldn't have been the worst deal. Makes you wonder, you know, they would have had to wait on Victor Oladipo to opt in. That seems likely uh, nine and a half million for him. But if that happened after the draft, you give Miami the chance to pursue Dame. And so maybe Phoenix said, you know, F that. We're not going to sit around and wait for you to go wait for Dame. Yeah. It's us. It's now or never. And who knows when Victor is going to opt in. His agent wants to explore the market through July 1st. That's fair. Um, so let's let's go. Let's get this $251 million off your books, which <laughs> also makes me laugh because it's like, if I was a Wizards fan and I heard – you are shedding the bulk of a $251 million contract, but you don't want to pay 19 and a half for a dude who just balled out in the <laughs> for to add multiple first round picks. So if all these reporting is true, you know, people are crediting this with their new GM, Michael Winger, but I'm wondering if you were the new GM, you'd want a couple picks to put your I think so too. franchise. But if you were the owner, you might just prefer complete cash savings during a rebuild. So unless unless it's going to come out that like the swaps they're getting from Phoenix are post-Kevin Durant years, and that's going to be significant, uh, I, I wonder why. And it's good for the Sixers that Beal is not at Miami Heat, but I wonder why the Wizards didn't do that. And I'm I, that kind of makes me wonder who actually called the shots on that trade. Was it the GM or was it the owner just trying to shed costs? Um, I do think it's a little it's more than kind of criminal that Washington gave up Brad Beal, but didn't get Tyler Hero first round picks. Well, they got swaps, but they didn't get a, an all star like a Tyler Hero or they didn't even get DeAndre Ayton in the trade. I'm just like, OK, yeah, the athletics said Ayton was on the table in an offer, but John Gambador out of Phoenix said that was not actually true. Uh, I, I tend to think that he was not on the table because keeping Aiton and getting Beal for like nothing but Chris Paul, who you were going to wave anyway, that's a big plus. You can now shop Aiton and try to get, you know, call Brooklyn. Maybe they wanted him at one point. Call Indiana. Maybe someone will give you like a defensive wing. Could you get Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal? That might help. Could you get some cost savings so that maybe you could keep campaign? Maybe you could keep, I don't know. Tory Craig wasn't really helpful down the stretch there. Teams were ignoring him. But 
you know, you, you get the gist. Um, and then from the I was Sixers, listening to I was listening real quick and then we can hit on like the Sixers and possibly like was like Tobias Harris talked about. Uh, I was listening to Cowherd. It was either today or yesterday. And he was just thinking eight into the Knicks for Mitchell Robinson, Josh Hart and a couple first rounders. No, that's an easy no from the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks probably prefer Robinson straight up. He's much cheaper. He doesn't seem like he comes with some of the baggage that Phoenix has been dealing with. Now, I don't know if that's on DA or Monty Williams, who's no longer there. Yeah. But, I mean, 30-plus million and growing rather than Robinson's more affordable deal, and he's a, a better defensive player anyway. He's, you know, Jalen Brunson likes playing with him. I, I would keep and, some of my uh, ammo. And you need somebody there. to play defense if your power forward is Julius Randle. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me from the Knicks POV, but it is an interesting thought thought experiment. With, with the Sixers, uh, everything that I've read, it just seems that the Sixers were not in on the Beal sweepstakes at all, which I didn't really find all that surprising, mainly because we don't have the draft capital to make that kind of a trade. Were you kind of surprised that the Sixers were not in on this at all, seemingly? I was a little disappointed, but I was not surprised. The... The best, I mean, Jake Fisher said, Philly, I'm hearing no, pretty much. And Boston, I'm hearing no. And I think teams like um, the Sixers basically thought, Kyle Newback wrote the most, you know, a detailed version of, I think, the Sixers thought process, which was essentially, you would be blowing past all those new CBA, punitive restrictions, second apron and whatnot. You're paying this guy $200 million. Uh-huh. It's your it's your last move. Everything else, everyone else now is going to be a min vet min. And so there's not a ton for the GM to do. There are some difficult trade restrictions. You can't aggregate salary. You can't uh-huh. take in more than you're sending out. So if it doesn't work, you're in some trouble. Like you have to go to Joel and be like, we, we can't improve the team anymore at all. This is our last move. Daryl, you might as well go to Dallas now because there's nothing left to do here other than maybe find some hidden gems to play for 1.8 million like Pat Riley was doing with Struess, Vincent, you know, at one point Robinson and uh who was the third guy? Um not not Caleb Martin. They kind of paid for him, didn't they? Yeah, eventually, yeah, he's got paid. But anyway, um but I, with- I was a little disappointed because if you got a yes from Bradley Beal, if he said, you know, I- I'm I'm interested, then the cost in Tobias Harris, he completely comes off the books in 12 months, which the reporting out of Washington was that was mandatory for them. They didn't want multiple first round picks from Miami because they didn't want to pay a guy who had a two year deal. Tobias just wipes that off for you. And then they could have given them their 2029 or 2030 if it conveys. It's not a fit. You don't need a guy like Beal when you've got Harden and Maxi, Beal and Joel. But on the other hand, and that's if Harden comes back, and we'll touch on that next. Yeah, the the depth is gone, the defense is gone. Like, I get the the drawbacks. Beal gets hurt. You know, he he's been injured better part of the last two seasons quite a bit. On the other hand, he's a lot better than Tobias Harris. If you ranked him, I think. I saw Sixers Wire had him talking about someone ranked him like 90th overall. 
like Beal's higher than that. So you're making yes. a substantial upgrade, as our Dan Volpom pointed out on Twitter. And I know Sixers fans hate to hear this, but if you had Beal in tow, you could shop Maxi theoretically for a better fit if you didn't like the fit. You could also just ride it out and see how it works. Maybe it would be like um, Mr. Tory, who came on our pod once said, it would be like Shangri-La of shooters around Joel. It would, be like, <laughs> it would just be like shooting porn surrounding Joe with James, mm. Maxie, and Beal, right? So if... So- it, you know, with- if there's a basketball argument, did Daryl Morey not want to do it? I get it. If it was just straight up Josh Harris saying, no, that's too much. Don't do it. I get that, too. Maybe it was some of both. Maybe Beal said no, and it was a non-starter. Who knows? With Beal now in Phoenix in tow, uh, we get to James Harden, and now it's just like I everything that I'm reading now is kind of hinting that Harden is coming back. Yeah, and things are taking a turn, right? Things are taking a turn since like a month ago when there when Harden to back to Houston was not necessarily a guarantee, but it was high probability. But now with Beal off the market and Houston, we have to see what they do with their draft, and we'll touch on that after the break. With Harden coming back, like the Sixers have a decision they need to make. Like, do they give Harden this max money? And I can't remember where it was that I was reading, but they were, I mean, somebody was hinting at the fact that it could be like a shorter two year or like one and one kind of situation. And that leads me to this question. Did James and his camp kind of overplay how they manage this thing to try to leverage the Sixers with Houston? I feel they misplayed this a little bit. I don't know if they misplayed it because if he, if what you're saying is that he never truly intend to go to Houston, he had most of us convinced the opposite, right? For a long time. So, if I would agree with that. If he's just looking for the most money imaginable, you got to put the fear of God in the Sixers, assuming they want him back, that he's going to leave. And right. if you can get an offer from Houston, a big offer. If you could get a max from them, now you open up all kinds of scenarios where Phoenix might trade Chris Paul for you. That got shot down, but it was a rumor for a little while. You know, maybe the Clippers would look to shed some salary and bring you in. So from his vantage point, it makes sense why he would create this big hoopla. But I don't think it's a done deal. I think it's felt like it had been closer. I had it like 60-40, I think I said one of our pods. Yeah. Uh, and I think now it feels closer to the other way. It feels more like 60-40 that he stays. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Newbeck said that there was talk about a possible two-year deal. Um, Chris Haynes has said at one point he wants a four-year deal. I'm not sure that he's getting that from anyone. because I don't think so either. Brian Windhorse has said that there's not a huge appetite to Max James um, from Philadelphia. They're going to play this straight. So if you had to guess... Rumors out of Houston are that, you know, I think it was Kelly Eco who speculated maybe he could get like 33 from them. That would leave them another 30 or so to offer half of that to Dylan Brooks. And oh, my God. Yeah, the, the same reporter for the Athletic Houston speculated that Dylan might get 16, 17, 18 million. 
which you might dismiss as an overestimate. From an NBA team, he's getting that, or from like a Chinese team, he's getting that. I, I wrote in a piece that if you have this money left over, you could give twenty-four million to Brooke Lopez and four million to uh, Dylan Brooks. So I knew that I seems kinda, about right. <laughs> I knew I was kind of trolling Dylan, and he'd probably get at least twelve. But yeah, uh, Dylan's gonna be Dylan Brooks is gonna be all in your Twitter mentions tomorrow. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if there's not a ton of money for Houston to bring in two or three free agents, all indications are that that's what they want to do. So it doesn't make sense for them to offer a fourth year. People don't think they're going to do that. And it doesn't make sense for them to offer him 40 because then they can't get him help. And it doesn't really dramatically change their trajectory from youth movement to win now, right? If you just have Harden no. and Mike Brooks. So. It looks like the Sixers are going to get the chance to top the market, and then we'll start spinning our yarns that Houston was never a thing, even though it probably was. I will say this. I like the idea of a shorter contract for Harden in the sense that we're you're basically running it back with like a different kind of bench, but you still show that commitment to Joel. You're not completely punting on the year. And then once next offseason rolls around, if Tobias is still on the books, he comes off the books. And then if it's a one-in-one situation, then Harden maybe opts in. But then you have the money to do something with the bench. Obviously, you're going to have to give Maxi his extension. But I like the idea of a shorter deal because, A, you don't completely sell out Joel and just be like, yeah, we, we can't really do anything this year. So we're, we're, we're punting until the next off season. So it still shows that commitment and it gives them options. Yeah. I'm with you. I think the more team friendly they can do this, the better. I know that there's people listening who don't want him back, who say he's going to let you down in the biggest moment. Um, You know, he's, he was on his absolute best behavior. He kept talking about sacrifice and, you know, I'm the vice president, but he, it doesn't sound yeah. like he, he wants to do that again, right? So what's that going to look like if he signed on a three-year deal and he wants much more, a bigger piece of the offensive pie? Now, maybe he deserves it. Maybe Nick Nurse can find a way to distribute that scoring load just a little bit more between him, Maxie, Joel, and Tobias or whoever they bring in for Tobias. We'll see. Um but I'm I'm with you. The shorter deal would be ideal. Not getting locked into a fourth year would be amazing. And the more bullets we dodge here, not good, <laughs> burn sage. Oh my god. Miami not getting Beal. There are rumors that Houston wants Brooke Lopez. That would be a huge loss for them. He's such a perfect fit. Um he, he defends Joel as well as anyone not named Bam, yeah, I would say, right? Yeah, but you're taking yeah, but you're taking minutes away from future all-star, future MVP, future Hall of Famer Alpern Shengun, future uh, current uh, current Yam Server Hall of Famer right now. Like, I, I'm not doing that. I don't think you are. I think they would play him at kind of like a a Boris Diaw, oh, Louis Scola. I think they would look for him to be a ball, a point forward type of. Ben Simmons, who can, but he can shoot a little. Um, had, why every time, Dave? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I, you know, just had to, had to troll it on. So, yeah, I think they would love to bring in two vets, maybe three, if they could swing it. I think if they got two to commit 
from free agency like Harden and Brook Lopez, then they would package a couple of those younger guys. They they do need some adults in that locker room. I will say that. Yeah, but like, make sure your adults play for. $3 make sure they're the right. Make sure they're the right adults too. Yeah, find the ones that make three million bucks, like Sam Hinkie did. Like Robert Covington was an adult. <laughs> he was it's like we're like grab grab some Luke and Bob Mutes. Like, come on, it's not that yeah. hard. Yeah, you don't have to spend $40 million on your vet mentor here. <laughs> uh, we're going to get into some more youngsters after the break because the NBA draft is tomorrow. So we're going to uh, talk a little bit about the NBA draft. Obviously, the Spurs have number one overall pick. Victor Wembanyama likely, highly likely to go number Wemby one. Week. Barring some immense, you know, catastrophic failure and or head trauma by the San Don't Antonio bother. Spurs journal yeah. manager. Don't bother. Beaver built the dynasty. Yeah. <laughs> we will come back on the Out of Sight podcast after these words, talking the NBA draft and Sixers ramifications as a result of the NBA draft. So we'll get back into that after these words. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It is the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I am Adil Royster. Dave Early joins me. It is draft week. Of course, draft is tomorrow night at in New York in the Garden. I think it's at the Garden. It's either the Garden or the Barclay Center. I can't remember. Maybe it's Radio City, whatever. New York. Anyway, Victor Wembinyama, uh, presumptively the number one pick for the San Antonio Spurs. I can't see a universe where he's not the number one pick. Uh, otherwise, there's going to be mass rioting in the streets, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. After that, though, there's this questions. So, for example, Charlotte is at the second overall pick. If I'm the Charlotte general manager, I sure I could take Brandon Miller, number two, and pair him with Lonzo. Or if I want to get really like, or if I want to be really LaMelo, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) If I want to be really creative and just be like, all right, uh, so 
I'm going to take Scoot Henderson and see what I can get for Lonzo and kind of rebuild around Scoot Henderson and like a ton of assets. But that's just me. I'm crazy like that. Three is where it gets interesting. Because Portland has the number three pick. And as much as Dame Lillard says, I want to stay in Portland. I want to end my career in Portland. I want to see that Portland wins a championship. GMs and teams are sniffing around. They have been for quite some time now. And there's speculation that this might be the year where it happens. So let's discuss like what Portland could get for the number three pick. And we were talking about this. I think I was talking to my brother about this also. Pascal Siakam, like Toronto, they're sniffing around. I I don't is is would Pascal Siakam be a good fit next to Dame? And is he worth the number three overall pick? If I were Masai Jiri and Bobby Webster in Toronto, I would want that number three pick quite a bit. I'd be ready to rebuild. We are hearing reports that like rival execs don't believe them to be looking to rebuild. They they want to run it back. Mm-hmm. Now, is that something that Toronto wants out there? Because that's the kind of thing you put out there when you don't want to run it back and you right. want people to think, ah, you know, like Danny Ainge last year. No, 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 we're, we're a second-round team. We're not looking to rebuild. If you want to convince us to rebuild, you better offer the farm. So that could be his position. Um, But, yeah, if you were the Blazers and you wanted to keep Dame – at least another year or two, I think you would have your eye on, obviously on Zion. You would try to get Brandon Ingram. I don't think you can get Brandon Ingram for this third pick based on the reports. I have a theory. I have a, I have thoughts about Zion, but I'll let you finish. If you could get a couple players from Toronto, maybe it makes sense. Not You're, you're not going to afford Siakam and OG on an OB, but if you could get one and then someone else good, Somehow, you know, include Yusuf Nurkic. There's a world there where you could get Dame to agree to give this through January. But is that worth the third pick? There's also rumors that there's also reports out there now that they don't want to trade the third pick. I don't know if that that's just a smokescreen and they really do and they're trying to drive the price up. But hopefully, hopefully Dame stays true to the grind because I do not want him to land in South Beach or Brooklyn, really. And South Beach is kind of where the prevailing, like Miami sniffing hard on Dame Lillard. And that would just scare the absolute hell out of me. Like Lillard, Jimmy, and Bam. Yeah, they could offer a good package at this point. They could offer Hero. They could offer the number 18 this year and two futures. And I think a swap. They could offer uh, Niko Jovic, one letter different from Nikola Jokic, but also from Sambor, Serbia. So, that's not what you would look for in a Dame package, but if Dame says, hey, I really want to be there, there could be that do-right factor, right? And uh, just to go back to possible trade candidates for Portland, if I'm the Trailblazers, I don't want any part of Zion Williamson, and I'll give you four really? words. I'll give you four words as to why not. Uh-oh. Uh, Brandon Roy, Greg Oden. Oh, okay. I don't know if the trailblazers executives and their fans want to take a chance and roll the dice on another guy that could possibly be out of the league due to injury within three years 
Yeah, yeah. Bill like Walton if you trade there too. If you're trading for Zion and pair him with Dame, you're on the clock as far as when Zion's feet are going to explode, right? Yeah, I don't know. I guess he would have to slim down. I mean, they they were in first place when he was last healthy. So he's an Don't absolute... get me wrong. I love the idea of Zion with Nurkic and Shaden Sharp because I'm I'm guessing that you would have to, if you're New Orleans you would want to get either Sharp or Simons back in the deal, right? Simons I think would go to for the money. Right. And I think Nurkic would probably go no matter what. I think he's a good trade piece for them. I have to look up his contract, but I thought it was pretty I thought it was pretty I didn't think it was all that great. But you would probably have to give probably have to to make the money work. Give Sharp or the three, right? So between those two, what would you rather have? Sharp or the third pick? I think I would rather have I think I would rather have Sharp for the time being. Yeah, because with that, because with that third pick, you're probably you're in there. Like, if Charlotte doesn't take Brandon Miller with the third pick, you're looking at like Scoot Henderson, or you're looking at Asur Thompson. I I just don't know what that third pick can bring you as far as like Dame help. Yeah, I think it would be one of Miller or Scoot. Uh, or a trade, obviously. So, and then at four, we we have Houston, and nobody knows what the heck Houston's going to do at this point with that fourth pick. It could be one of the Thompson twins. Uh, I I don't know what the heck else they would do at that fourth pick. I there's nobody, there's really nobody else in that draft class in the top five where I'm just like, okay, this dude can like transcendently change a franchise. Yeah, I know. I know Victor is that, right? Obviously, um, I I know Victor is that. I'm pretty sure Scoot is that. I'm lukewarm on Brandon Miller because of the off the court stuff, but after that, I'm it. It just seems like a lot of role players, or a lot of or a lot of number twos on championship teams, right? At best, Uh, Amy Thompson and Cam Whitmore are the two names circulating as leading candidates at number four. One potential factor in the decision is James Harden's potential return, a situation rival teams have come to view as increasingly uncertain in recent weeks with right. how uh, Jonathan Gavoni and Jeremy Wood put it not long ago. So if they keep the pick, I guess they're looking at Thompson and Whitmore and maybe another guy. But if you don't hear that one of those Raptors players like Siakam or OG is headed to Portland, Maybe uh, Houston is next up. If you were Masai, would you rebuild for that fourth pick? I think it's I think it's a better play for Toronto if you're if you're starting a rebuild with Scotty Barnes and the number four pick and whatever you get for Siakam and possibly OG Ananobi in a trade if you work out an OG trade. There, there are worse ways to do rebuilds, and I think that's the position that Toronto set themselves up for. Like, yeah. sure, they could run it back. They could run it back with what they have, be creative in free agency, or they have assets where they can kick off a rebuild really nicely. Yeah, if I was a Raptors fan, I would be rooting for them to get the third or the fourth pick. Uh, you know, I would settle for 
the fifth to the sixth, but I would definitely be excited about getting the third, getting one of uh, Brandon or Scoot. And if the Rockets make those trades and they they start like pulling putting chips into the in the center, and just like all right, we're gonna try and go for this. That I I don't know if that helps Harden going to Houston. I don't know if that I don't know if those rumors kick back up again. Yeah, I think that's that's how it would happen. If Harden winds up in Houston, it's not just because he said I want to live here. Um, unless the money's different. Let's let's assume the money is similar. Let's assume Houston's coming in with a $35 million per year offer and the Sixers are are offering a little more. Something like that, right? Yeah. Then in the way that Harden leaves, I think it would be something like they use their fourth pick to get a veteran, maybe Siakam. They get a yes from James, and then they they have a little bit more for one other guy. Probably not quite enough at this point for Brooke Lopez, but maybe it is. Um, uh, it, it could be. It could if be. If you could get OG, that might be even more enticing to James because they pair pretty well. Yeah, you know, to have that really defensive-minded stopper who loves to shoot catch and shoot threes. He actually makes I looked it up even more per game than Tyrese Maxey at this point. Um, that that might change heading into next year, though. Well, it it'll be it'll be a fun draft, and there are going to be Sixers ramifications. I feel like if Houston trades the number four pick, I I feel like Harden to Houston is really going to come back full circle, and we're just going to have to hear that for a couple more hours. It, it increases the possibility for sure, as well as um, if if Dame, if Portland keeps that pick, then we're going to start to get really nervous. Dame could land up Miami. Yeah. And then if Houston trades that pick, fans who want Harden are going to start to get nervous that he's going to go to Houston. The rest of the fill out of the roster, and you were, we were talking about some interesting like free agent possibilities on on the site it was very clear that the fans of all the free agents that are needing new contracts, Paul Reed overwhelmingly won. Uh, excluding <laughs> Harden, is, right? Which is excluding Harden, which is not a surprise for me, apparently. Not at all. No, but, he's very, um, very, very popular here. How, how did the Sixers fill out the rest of these margins if Harden comes back or not? Like, uh, there are some creative names out there for sure. Yeah, if Harden comes back, there's not a ton of money before you bump into that second apron, I think, right? So depending on what no. Harden takes, I don't think he'd give him a big discount again, especially if he's only taking a two-year deal. But the most likely is Paul Reed, right? Would you agree? That's one. They, they especially can since they can match any offer anyway. Right. So a team would have to offer him not just you know, a full MLE, maybe 12 million bucks, but also offer him a starting role. Like, uh, I don't know who could do this, but just for example, theoretically, if a team said, we want you to play a lot, you're not going to do any of that in Philly. You're playing behind the best center in the league outside of Jokic. So I can't um, think of a team where I can't think of a team that does that. And in that instance, Paul Reed would turn to Daryl and say, please don't match. And then, I could see Daryl turning his attention instead to as many as he can keep between McDaniels and Niang. Um, Who would you and, rather keep out of the two? That's tough. Niang is a threes per minute monster. I mean, when he's on the court, he hits threes yeah. as 
quickly and efficiently as anyone in the league, but his defense is not very good. I know it held up better than expected at times in the playoffs, but his defense is not good. Uh, I don't know if Nurse can fix that. And there's theoretical upside to McDaniels being as long and lanky and rangy as he is. Theoretical. It still hasn't been realized, and he's not a young prospect at this point anymore, right? No. So he's at the point now where he's a veteran, and you're like, well, is this what he is, or is there much more room to grow? It's a tough one. What do you think? I think I'd lean towards Niang, because if there's if there's one thing that we know, is that the more shooters we have, the better. Dude, like 86 points in the closeout game at home. It just couldn't shoot. And like you and I <laughs> talked about it last summer. All right, this is amazing. We get, you know, Shake was in the rotation for Khan, Niang. Now we have two-way players. We have Tucker. We have Melton. We have we still have Tobias, but these guys were just absolutely frigid in the biggest game of the year. And they have to get a couple of these wartime consigliers who can just mm. bang threes in really high pressure moments. A home game when the crowd is nervous and hit open threes. And Yang was one of those guys. He went two of three in that game six against Boston. He showed up. He gave us a five point four point lead late in the third. I think it was Kai Carlin that I was reading, and he had some interesting names. I don't know if I don't know if the Sixers will have the money for Tory Craig, for example. I don't think so. Right. If Harden walks, then they could open up the twelve point two million dollar exception. But do you really want to spend it all on him? No. He, he was he was completely ignored when last we were watching Phoenix, right? So he, there was it's not more... like Sorry, go ahead. It's not like uh he's a guy that's going to buy Joel some more space. There was one name that I found interesting that I hadn't thought of. I don't know what the market is for him, but his whatever his number is, if it's manageable, he brought up the homie. I don't know if I would be against that. Um, are we talking about like a vet min? No, we're talking about yeah, we're talking about vet min for I don't know if a vet min would be enough to get Dario back here, but that's not that's not something I was considering until today, and I'm not against it. I'm not against it. If for a vet man, I think that would be a $2 million contract. If he's willing to take that, I would offer it to him tomorrow. And like, is anybody paying more than like six for Dario at this point? So, in, but in this hypothetical, Harden is returning it. I don't even think we'll have a $5 million MLA because we'll be past that. Uh, we'll lose access to that, I believe. And I, yeah, I just don't know who is really going to be out here giving dario more than like two three million maybe all someone would have to give him is two and a half and offer more playing time and you, you probably couldn't afford him <laughs> but True. obviously obviously we take the homie back in a heartbeat i'm i'm loving the idea of bringing the homie back so shout out kai carlin for that thought yeah uh well We'll see what happens with, with the draft and as the offseason continues. But as always, read the site, libertyballers.com. Follow us on Twitter. I am at Adobe Royster. Dave is at David Early. Follow the site on Twitter at Liberty underscore Ballers. Listen to all the podcasts on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever you're, whatever you're fancy. 
Dave, always good talking to you. So we're we're in Likewise. it now. The NBA finals are over. We're in it now. This is the offseason. Here we go. This is it. This is when all the rumors start flying. Uh did, did uh, you did you see we're already in grainy Ben Simmons video season? That's already starting. That is already starting. I heard Zach Lowe throw a stray at him. He was like, we don't need the shirtless posts. You're not fooling anybody. So yeah, where's the where's Simmons the video player, of you? Sh- where's the video of you shooting and hitting threes, Ben? Where's that? That's what we've wanted for like five since you came into the league. But until next week, we're gonna get out of here. And we'll talk to everybody next week. Maybe there will be some significant moves. Maybe there won't be. We'll just have to wait and see. Dave, always good talking to you. I'll talk to you next week. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune into the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.